Blog Talk Radio. To the Bobby Eaton Show. This is where we tell our stories our way in the heart of Black Wall Street, Tulsa, Oklahoma. Hey, that's right, T Town. So we want you guys, if you want to call in, you can dial the number 646 716 5525. And don't forget to press that one button. See, now you got to press the one button, you know, in order to get in online. Boy, we got a great show going on today. We're going to be talking about local food in Tulsa. Uh, with Aaron Martin and, and guest, and we're going to be just chopping it up because you guys, this is information you need to know, you know, needed information. So if you need to grab your pencil and your paper or wherever, you know, boom. But we are recorded. So blogtalkradio.com slash WFUNK. You can go back and listen to the show if you missed it or, you know, some friend or something like that. You can share that with them as well. But, hey, we got a, a lot of stuff going on. I've been uh, people asking me, Bobby, what's going on? We're getting towards the end of the year. And uh, I'm saying, yeah, 2020 is over with. We've had challenges here in 2020. I'm going to tell you what I know. You know, we've had uh, this dealing with this coronavirus, which is a very serious issue You know that we've had. <clears throat> Presidential election took place. Uh, some some pol- community policing things took place. I mean, you know, some racial things took place. I mean, you name it. It's just been crazy in 2020. So hopefully we can start to heal and go forward and do some great positive things. Hold on for a minute. You know, Bobby, forgetting to do something. I must be getting old or something like that. Hold on. <laughs> but anyway... We're gonna take some, we're gonna take some time out to uh, do some things. I'm a, hey, I'm just gonna play a song, and we're gonna come right back with Aaron Martin. And hey, you guys, hey, tune in, tell a family member, tell a friend, tell somebody, you know, to um, come and hook up with us, okay? Hey, what do you think? What is it called? It's called a lakeside thing. 
Oh, yeah, the groove is so funky. Hey, that's the late side. You're on the Bobby Eaton Show where we tell our stories our way. And, you know, that's the only way I know how to do it. And in the studio, Aaron Martin, how are we doing? Doing great. Glad to be here. Great. I'm glad you could make it. And uh, who is your old friend you got right here with you? I've got a today. Hi, Great, great. So we're, we're, we're going to be talking about uh, local food, right? That's right. Before we get into that, tell our audience, anybody listening over the road, where you from? California, but I grew up in Bixby, Oklahoma, so I went to Bixby from 1st through 12th grade, grew up in Tulsa, and went to TU here. And Tulsa here? Yeah, Tulsa okay. here. Tulsa uh-huh. Yeah. All right. I had to get Born and raised. Born and raised, huh? And what school? Bixby High School Bixby is where High. I went. Yeah. What was Bixby like back in your, when you going to school out there in Bixby? Well, I mentioned that I was born in Fresno, uh, California, actually. So I went to kindergarten there. And so I was transplanted to Bixby when I was six years old. You say transplanted. Transplanted. That's uh-huh. how it felt like. Uh-huh. And I had a lot of diversity in my kindergarten class where we had five different languages spoken. We actually learned sign language to communicate. So when I moved to Bixby, it was incredibly segregated. And all of the black and Hispanic kids sat at one table. And I was really confused by that. Mm-hmm. And I was just really craving diversity, which is why I moved when I graduated from TU, I moved back to LA for about five years. And I moved back about a year and a half ago because I felt really passionate about bringing what I've learned and my passions back to Tulsa because Tulsa needs a lot of good people and people who are passionate and care about people. And um, I felt like that's why I needed to come back home. So you came back to Tulsa, Oklahoma. What did you encounter when you got back here? Was it like, uh, wow, man, it's so much different than being out in California? Um, I was impressed, actually, how much had changed here in Tulsa in the last five years. Mm -hmm. I was inspired, and I felt like Tulsa was really ready and really ripe for a lot of the teachings and things that I was promoting. And so um, I actually, my um, holistic health conferences really boomed, my online Uh, and my business, everything has grown. And then obviously COVID hit. So that has had some implications, but it's been amazing how much open people are to the information of more consciously aging, local food, food as medicine and things like that. So I've actually been um, surprised at how incredible uh, and open people are to this information in Tulsa. Okay. In Tulsa. So where did you go? Where did you get your professional training from? So um, my undergrad's from TU, but I went out to LA to look at master's programs, and I actually went to the number one school of gerontology in the world at USC. Gerontology. Gerontology. Meaning. So gerontology is the study of aging. So they they train gerontologists on all processes of of aging, from the physiological changes of aging, the psychological changes of aging, and all of the impacts of aging that happens in your social life. Um, anything. So we, we learned the gamut on that. Okay. Okay. So after getting all that knowledge and that information, you came back to Tulsa. Uh, where are you at right now? 
Um, well, I am working on lots of different projects. So because everything got shut down, I wasn't really allowed to go into like assisted livings and skilled nursing. And I had really connected the dots of longevity to the food that we're eating. Mm -hmm. So during COVID, I really found those individuals that were working on the local food movements and the local food activists, as I would say. And so now I've been helping to promote different local food. Um, I'm still building my online business, ConsciousAgingSolutions.com, and really helping to connect people not only to healthy food, but great herbal remedies and different things, holistic and preventative things, so people can age and live and be more in touch with themselves, I think, and take care of themselves better and just giving them the access and the options. So I've been just working on promoting different projects. I was really active in the BLM protests. Um, and really excited to continue a lot of that work because to me, food justice is racial justice and mm -hmm. we can talk more about that, but I feel really passionate about people having access to what they need. Now, uh, <clears throat> we live, I'm, I live in an underserved community when it comes to food. Right. Uh, we got a lot of bad choices over here. Yeah. You know, in North Tulsa, uh, a lot of uh, dollar generals and family, you know, family dollar stores. Right. And we basically um, purchase foods out of those places right there. Uh, the lifeline for the average African-American male is like almost 10 years shorter than, you know, a white male. That's right. You know, and it's a lot of bad foods, you know. Obesity yeah. rate runs high over here because of the bad foods. So does type 2 diabetes. Yeah, type 2 yeah. diabetes. Yeah, big and, time. And all of that takes place over here in uh, the African-American community. Yes. We need to start eating good food, That's vegetables right. and things of that nature. Right. You know, we haven't always had access to all of that because here recently they're building a, a grocery market over here. Everybody's excited about the grocery market. Well, hopefully the gro grocery market will sell more healthier foods. Right. You know. That it will or won't encounter all that junk and trash, mm -hmm. you know, and stuff like that. So what do you think would be some good options for underserved community to start? Well, I think that it's really important to understand the difference between just fruits and vegetables and then local fruits and vegetables. So okay. that is a really, really important thing. And the reason why is because as soon as a vegetable or a fruit is harvested, it is going to start losing nutrients. So if we're not getting something local, we're not getting the nutrients that we're supposed to be getting. For example? For example, like spinach, within 24 hours, it can lose 90%. So it's full of iron normally. But once you get it, you may not have any iron left in it when you consume it. And that's what people don't understand is that they could eat fruits and vegetables, but if it's genetically modified, if it's, um, it, if it's been um, shipped from a long distance, it's not going to hold those nutrients. And what your body needs is vitamins and minerals, and it needs it from a plant-based source. Which is good. Absolutely. 
So that's what we're really focusing on the local. So there's options right now. There's an option to get more local food through a woman named Katie Plohockey, who's doing mobile grocery stores. And she actually goes to some of the Tulsa housing authority sites. And so there's a program through our, um, through our food benefit programs like food stamps and things like that, there's something called the double up program. And so if you do utilize your food stamps on local food and fruits and vegetables, they actually double your benefits. So if you mm. get 30 bucks a month, you'll actually get 60 when you so, utilize so how does that, how does that work? You know, how do you do it? So actually some grocery stores are actually doing that too. And then you can go to TulsaRealGoodFood.org, which is Katie Plohockey's site, mm-hmm. and she'll show you where what site she's going to go and that to. That website again yeah, is? Yeah, TulsaRealGoodFood.org. Okay. We want to be able to push that traffic in that direction. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you can see where her sites are going to be, where you could go to her mobile grocery store and get those things. So she'll du- they double the money right there. So mm-hmm. if you have your money, they double it right there. There's not anything that you have to do special. So you can go to the Tulsa Farmer's Market. Actually, today was the last day of the Farmer's Market for the winter season. But you can go to the Farmer's Market that's in the Kindle Whittier area, and mm-hmm. it's every Saturday typically. So where, is the farmer, Saturday. where is the Farmer's Market? What is it? Where is oh, it? Oh, where is it? It's at Kendall Whittier at Admiral and Lewis. Admiral and Lewis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got to ask these questions yes. so people know where to Very go specific. and what to do. Yeah, yeah, so you can show up there. It's usually from 9 to noon every Saturday morning, and you can utilize your food benefits there, and you can choose healthier mm-hmm. food and, mm-hmm. and so do that. So today is the last day, right? Yeah, today was the last day. Well, I thought they, it was uh, every other week in the winter. They do, um, but today is the last day until next year. I oh, think okay. is what Just it is. The yeah, they go every other every other uh, weekend in the in the winter time, and then they're every Wednesday and Saturday during the the month the regular months of the year mm-hmm. for seasonal food. So seasonal is also a really important thing too. Uh-huh. Well, tell us about your guest right here. All right. Yeah. Well, thank you, James, for coming on the show. James Spicer is one of those local food activists and leaders, um, an incredible human being that I was fortunate enough to meet. Um, he's doing some really incredible work. I'll let him share about that work, but he's a permaculturist. He's a trained uh, farmer. He trains other farmers. And that's the biggest issue that we have is we don't have enough local farmers to produce the local food that we desperately need to be healthy, happy individuals. So James, thank you so much for coming on the show. And we're excited to hear about all the awesome things you're doing for our community. Yeah, James, tell us a little bit about, you know, how you got started and your passion for doing what you do. Okay. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me, Bobby. Thanks for the introduction, Aaron. I grew up in Tulsa as a kid, kind of had a rough upbringing here, you know, parents doing drugs and that sort of thing. Yeah. 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 But uh, luckily I was able to uh, get an opportunity to go to boarding school on a scholarship. Um, And uh, that took me out West and I got exposed to, you know, the great outdoors, you know, being out in nature and got exposed to uh, a lot of facets of the environmental movement and sustainability in general. And that kind of shaped my uh, higher educational pathway as far as what I pursued through my studies. I'm kind of a critic of traditional education, um, but um, my studies took me all over the Western United States and um, mostly in the field of agriculture and sustainable agriculture. Um, Like Aaron, 
I came back around to Tulsa. I saw the West Coast as being saturated with people with these types of skill sets. Um, like maybe there wasn't as much of a need there. Um, but then I looked back home and saw that there wasn't really anyone um, doing too much with sustainable agriculture in Oklahoma. So um, I came back here and started a business, Green Country Permaculture, and I've been here since 2012. 2012. Yeah. Things have been going pretty good? Yeah. As soon as I got here, uh, my first break was actually with uh, Langston University. Okay. Yeah, uh, Tulsa campus. So I got um, hired on to do some consulting with them, working with schools and um, children and urban urban farming. And that was kind of the springboard for a lot of the other um, things I've gotten into in the past few years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one thing that we've just got started over here is we purchased some land, uh, Dean Finley and myself, and, you know, over here at the station, uh, purchased some land, and we're going to make it a community garden. So we cleared it all off, knocked down all the trees. Now it's all clear, and it's looking pretty good. And we have a project manager. His name is Earl Stripling. I've been seeing his posts. Oh, man, yeah. he's a beast. Hey, he looks like he's <laughs> definitely got some skills. Man, he got some skills and more ways on. He's an architect anyway, too. So He's great. He's great, and he's a part of the project and things like that. Wonderful. And uh, the purpose of the garden was for children in the community to come over and grow their tomatoes and carrots and okra or whatever, you know, different organizations, and they could maintain their tomato. Yeah. This is my tomato, you know, and it's getting fat. Is it ready to be picked? Okay, boom. You know, okay. So we're doing that for the community. It's a community garden. And um, um, I'm just excited to see that come together. Erin, you came by there. Yeah, at the groundbreaking. At the groundbreaking when we were there. And um, we're excited about that because over here we're always doing something. It's something community related. Mm-hmm. We're more than just a radio station, mm-hmm. you know. So that's what's going on. That's so, so important. Yeah, so important. It's yeah. important you have Earl. Yeah, yeah. Earl. You know, that's that's the biggest. You got to have factor. those people. Ain't no way I'm gonna be over there trying to grow some tomatoes. Yeah, I don't even know what to do. Talent is mm-hmm. usually the biggest bottleneck with the mm-hmm. community garden. Is people just really don't know what they're doing, and having someone like Earl is going to make a big difference. Mm-hmm. There. Yeah, a lot of people set up the community gardens with really great intent and a lot of passion and hope, but then there's not someone managing mm-hmm. the garden. And so uh, that's what's really important about James is that he's training these future individuals who are going to be, you know, the managers, the farmers, the people who are going to maintain and help to direct. And mm-hmm. and really create abundance for the community and sovereignty, you know, food sovereignty being dependent upon ourselves, which is COVID-19 proof. That's the problem. And that's what's been highlighted so much. You know, a lot of problems have been highlighted mm-hmm. during COVID. But one of the ones is local food and the great need for local food. We've seen all those families get the food, the farm to family meals that all the churches and food on the move have been passing out. Um, and we still have that, you know, great need for local food so that we're giving people who have diabetes medicine, real food as medicine. What are some of the good foods for a diabetic? Well, I <laughs> mm. anything that is 
anything that is local fruits and vegetables in the rawest that you can eat it. Mm -hmm. So not microwaving it. So anything that's high in mineral content, vitamin content, it could mm -hmm. be anything from spinach mm -hmm. to um, avocados, um, anything. Eat, and it sounds really simple. Eat uh, the rainbow. I've, you know, I've been told this. Now, you guys can help me with it because you are the professionals. I've been told all fruits are not good fruits for you. Is that true? Do you have an example? I don't know. Somebody told me too much of certain fruits is not good for you to just consume all the time. There is a misconception is that about. A misconception? I, I well, want to know. Yeah. Educate me. There's a misconception about fruits is that there's it's a high content of sugar. Well, yeah. it's natural sugars. Mm -hmm. The problem is, is when you go and get maybe grape juice or something, if you look on the back, you've got to look because they sneak stuff in. There's added sugars. If it's a natural sugar, that's really great for you. But yes, you for don't, but you don't, yeah, that's fine. If but it's you, balanced it's with balanced with fiber. That's mm -hmm. the problem is like, yes, you don't want to eat just fruit. You want to have fruits and vegetables, and you want to be eating all different kinds. And instead of just limiting yourself to like, for example, if you eat a bunch of potatoes, starch turns to sugar. So when you're eating a bunch of potatoes, that's going to turn to sugar and that's going to be really bad for a diabetic. So you want to, you want to find stuff when you go to the grocery store, you want to find fresh fruits and vegetables. Then usually that's on the outskirts. And trying to limit your processed food. So, and the, and the problem is also, Bobby, is that people may have access to the food or they could go find it or we could help them know where it is. But the problem is that people don't know how to prepare food. And that's one of the things that we've been focused a lot on is uh, really bringing in cooking classes and education classes and using those with the community. Um, and we're working on that with the Tulsa City County Library right now with our food as medicine program is really airing those, those uh, classes so that people even know once they get the food, they may not even know how to prepare it because no one ever taught them how. And so if you can um, at least have access to the food and then also know how to use it, that's a whole other thing. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. You know, because I don't think people cook the way they used to cook. No, it's you know? changed after it's the 1950s, changed. you know, Man, it just, yeah. it microwave just dinners and processed yeah, I mean, exactly processed stuff. Cause when I was coming up, it was all about the stove. It's you our know, grandparents. Our grandparents, I mean, the yeah. spinach, right. the greens, the potatoes, everything just all happened on the stove. Yeah. I think people ate a little bit more healthier. Yeah, and the microwave was invented in World War II, and we needed more canned foods and yeah, but microwave it, it, foods. It didn't and... come. It didn't come. It wasn't real popular, I'm going to say, until about the, about the, in the 80s, 80s. somewhere. Yeah. That's yeah. where the microwave really got serious, mm -hmm. yeah. you know, and then everybody started just – Microwaving everything. That big old microwave. You remember that big old ugly yeah. thing? Who's got time to cook? You yeah, who got time to cook? Right. Right. That's yeah. kind of the attitude. Yeah. And I mean, our society doesn't really, you know, we work nine to fives and we've got all these other things well, going always, on. Well, some of them. And it's well, hard. You're right. Because back in those days, a lot of mothers stayed at home. Right. Yeah. You didn't yeah. need two households. You didn't uh, need two, two yeah. incomes, incomes for a household. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Right. So now everybody's mm -hmm. working. Yeah. yeah. In more ways than one. Right. So, you know, I hear gravitating and so you got single parent moms who have mm -hmm. children two or three kids and all of a sudden say well we're just gonna stop by mcdonald's and buy right. up some of that right it's know. way more convenient and more so it's understandable that people would do that but it's now connecting people to why they should care 
about what they're eating because people are still not making the connection. Mm. It's a math equation. If you're putting something into your mouth, it's something you're consuming food more than you're doing a lot of things during mm. the day and drinking water. Mm -hmm. So when you put something in your body, it's going to have it's going to have an output. It's, it's a math equation exactly. and people think, Oh, I'm just getting old or my mom also had diabetes, but that doesn't mean that you have to, too. That's true. That is so true. You know, I remember a doctor told me and I was doing an exam and he says, Bobby, let me tell you something. I said, man, I'm putting on some weight, you know? So yeah. He say, but if it's not in your house, you can't eat it. That's right. <laughs> you just said, if, Bobby, just think about it. Cookie, if cookie's not in the house, you can't eat no cookies, right? And I thought about it, and I said, well, he's so right about that, you mm -hmm. know? You know, but what we'll do is not in the house. We'll go out and get it. That's right. You know what I mean? <laughs> we'll take a break and go around the corner to Quick Trip and grab some junk or something. So it's all about discipline yeah. and of the mind, the mindset that you have towards what you put in your body. And teaching the kiddos like you all are going to do at your land there and mm -hmm. what Chris Walker is doing with the hydroponics and some of the elementary schools, when you actually grow your food and you're connected to that and you understand where it comes from, and James, you can speak to that too, um, that's what really impacts the kids. And so if they're not coming up with certain things, then that's just not going to be in their, you know, in their wheelhouse. And yeah. so we're just providing the tools for that. So James, you'd be doing a lot of farming, huh? Yeah. Yeah. I work a lot with agriculture. Agriculture. Yeah. You get out there and dig up stuff and plant <laughs> stuff and all of that, huh? Yeah. Yeah. And, and you've been doing it for years, huh? That's right. Wow. So what would you, what kind of suggestions would you give us? Who's us? Over here with the community garden, okay, you know, that we're starting up with Earl Stripling and stuff like that. Just some, you know, some key points and yeah. stuff like that for developing that community garden. Because Earl, he knows what to do, you know, and, you know, but you know, but we like to also get some other output information. So I think Earl's one of the main ingredients, right? It's he he it's, is the main ingredient. It's what I call talent, because mm -hmm. if you don't have talent, you're gonna make poor decisions on how to manage the garden. Things are going to get out of hand. We live in a challenging growing environment, Oklahoma. You know, we got real hot summers. We can have drought, lots of bugs, lots of humidity and fungal issues. So you want to have talent, um, someone who is going to put in good design. Um, so having Earl is key. Uh, the other thing is like, look at the phrase community garden, the garden, but what's the other word? Community. Community. Mm -hmm. You got to have community because it doesn't mm -hmm. work unless the community's involved and you got to ask yourself who is your community and what do they want? Right. You you might, I might have an idea. You might have an idea of what type of garden is the, is right for the community, but it's about the community and you have to have that, that dialogue of knowledge with the community and understand what they really, um, what their wants and needs are. Um, if you want to have a shot at a community garden. Yeah, I believe that's also input from the community. Absolutely. You know, like so critical. they can be connected. Yeah. Because if you don't, they're not going to be connected and you're just going to be out there. Right. You know, trying to do some stuff that the kids are supposed to be doing or something, you know. Yeah. Programs. And we got a lot of programs here in North Tulsa that we're going to involve. A lot of children programs. 
We're going to bring those kids over there, like I said, the, uh, once we get it all set up and hoop house and all of that stuff yeah. going. And uh, we're going to bring those kids over there and, and, and show them how to grow vegetables and things like that. Show them how to do it. Let them dig, you know, they'll dig up and plant seeds and let them do the work rather than just tell them how it's done. But you got to let them do the work. You know, I'm going to sit back up so I don't have no green thumb. You know, yeah, I can't grow too much of nothing. So, mm. Do you feel like there's a stigma in your community with gardens? Is there anything I negatively? Think, I, think, I think that no one has really to gardens. Now, we have people in our community who have individual garden, gardens, uh-huh. and they do well with their personal stuff at their homes and houses. But when it comes to community Involvement. I don't think we have. We have, you know, we got a couple of community gardens around, but I don't think they're nurtured as well. I don't think they're taken care of. I don't think they have uh, good projects, you know, of how to implement kids and community and all that, you know. So that's just my personal. What do you think the hurdles are? Maintenance. Yeah. I think maintenance has a lot to do with it. Who's going to go out there and water this? Every day, who's going to turn this dirt over? Who's going to pull these vegetables and stuff? And you know, are you going to have a system that works? You know, and people volunteering, having you know, being able to be involved. So I think without that in place, you're going to not going to have a, such a good garden. You know, right. you're not going to have that unless you got people doing stuff. You know, and people staying in their lanes. You know. Uh, how can I tell an Earl Stripling how to grow something? <laughs> you know, body right. eating. Right. I'm going to tell him how to grow something. He's a master at growing. He's been doing this for years. Right. So he can tell me. I just need to kick back and listen. Bobby, do this. Put some water on it. Come back a couple of days or whatever. Boom, 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 boom. Mm-hmm. And if everybody stays in their lane, we're going to have a great success with a community garden. And it'll be just what it is. When it comes to growing, uh, like I said earlier, okra, Carrots, potatoes, uh, watermelons, all of this, all these things that we use, green spinach, mm-hmm. the green stuff, you know, cabbage, all that. You can go on and on and on with the grow. But we have to grow it. And once we grow it, we got to know how to disperse it correctly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, you got to know where, okay, I got a cabbage right here. Now, where is this cabbage going? You know, and who is it going to? How's it going to be prepared? And prepared. How's it going to be prepared? And, yeah. You know, what do you do? You know, so there's a learning process. And we'll, we'll have a bunch of, uh, I know, volunteers and people coming on over wanting to help. And uh, I'm going to stay in my lane. You know, I'm not going to be all up in the mix trying to tell professionals like yourself what to do when it comes to the garden because I want to see some success come out of it. You know, it'd be nice to see a little boy. Oh, this is my tomato. Look here. I grew this tomato. Yeah, yeah. It's almost about ready to be picked. You know, yep. that's a good feeling. Okay, man, that's your tomato looking good. Mine, yours is coming along too. So, you know. That connection. Yeah, yeah. that connection. That's it right there. And it, and it can happen. You know, it can happen. It can happen. That can become a reality. They can take that tomato home to their mama's house or grandma's house or wherever they're living, slice that tomato up, mm-hmm. and boom, there you go. They it's produced kind of cool. it. They yeah. produced it. 
Yeah. And then they start thinking in their head, wow, mm, that tomato is juicy. Mm-hmm. It was good. I'm going to go plant another That's right. One. And your tongue knows the difference. Yeah. Your tongue is really smart, and it knows if it's, you know, full of vitamins and nutrients and things that you need because it tastes great, and you grew it, and it's right here, and you just picked it, so it's full of it. Ooh, wow. yeah. I know. I know that feeling because I remember back in the day, my grandmother would send me out to the garden, mm. two tomatoes, grab me some of this, grab me some of that, and bring it back. And we bring it back. And then mm. while I was out there, sometimes I'd just pull out tomato and just just bite into it right there on the spot. You know, just bite, mmm, yum, yum. Yeah. Me and my cousin, we would do that and come on back off and then, then come on. Wait a minute, somebody didn't bit off my tomato <laughs> yeah. or something like that. It was funny. But, yeah, uh, it's needed. Yeah, and how it translates to health and, and connecting with your family and growing older and, and having and being able to do all the things that you want to do in your life. It starts with what you're eating. And we've got to get back to that. Mm-hmm. We've got to because as time passes, we're eating some bad stuff in our country. Mm-hmm. Yeah, eating some bad stuff. We've gotten away from farming and we've gotten away from <clears throat> doing the main things that are needed. Right. You know, we've gotten away from it. So we need to get back to that. Yes. You know, so we yeah. can be healthy. And that's what's been great, I guess, in a sense about COVID is it has brought our attention back to those back. really important things, the community things, the things that are here, buying local um and, and just focusing on putting our money back into the community, whether it's through food or buying from people who are creating local things as well. And when you say community, that means people have to get together, first of all. you got to get your mind together to That's be right. community. You know, it used to be a time in the community, neighbors, new neighbors, you know, next door neighbor, you know who it was. Uh, I couldn't cut up down the street because Mr. Mr. Johnson cut me up, you know what I mean, and call my parents and, you know, you might get a double whammy, you know what I mean? You respected when adults were uh, talking, you never went up into their conversation, you know, to interrupt them about nothing. You waited till they finished. A lot more respect and dignity and mm-hmm. integrity took place back in those days, right. you know, and people kind of honored uh, stuff like that. You know, a lot of people had a lot more gardens back then. I mean, everybody had a little garden. Or I remember uh, Grandma putting stuff in the windowsill. You know, mm-hmm. tomatoes and stuff. Wait, I need this tomato to ripen. You know, mm-hmm. and get some more sun. You know, and mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, boom. They would, yeah. they were putting stuff in jars and stuff and putting it up in the cabinets and. And we lost that. We lost all of that. And the next yeah. generation didn't pick it up. They didn't put – it wasn't passed down. We lost it just like we've lost so many other things. We lost it, and now we live in a digital world, you know, and it's controlled. Mm-hmm. Digi- you know, digital, everything is – people's right. cell phones are their best friends, and uh, that's how we communicate. I mean, I was just – the other day I noticed uh, I was in here, and the Juice Radio Show in here, young people. And there was a couple of people in here texting each other just back and forth. You know, I mean, it wasn't a juice, but it was a couple of guests. And they were just texting each other back and forth. And then they look up at each other and, you know, say, why are you in the same room? <laughs> you know, <laughs> <laughs> you're in the same room, man. I yeah. mean, well, what's up with that? And a lot of them do this. 
I know. I love how you brought in the reverence for older adults and the wisdom and the connection and the respect for older people. And you would think that maybe, what does that have to do with local food? But it's all tied into the community. Community. It's so tied into that. And you know, that's my huge passion is how I got into being passionate about local food is my passion about older adults and their wisdom and the untapped uh, volume of wealth and abundance of just wisdom. And we need to connect back with our elders and listen to them and respect them. Yeah. That, that local food, I remember my grandmother would make a big pot of greens. And boy, them greens taste so good. Mm. She knew how to put it together. And man, that greens was like, oh my goodness. And then somebody say, hey, grandma cooks some greens up there. And boy, everybody hid up here, you know, to the house next door and want to get some greens. So where was everybody at on obesity and type 2 diabetes rates back then? It wasn't as strong as it is today. Uh-huh. Obesity is at an all-time high today. Right. People wasn't that big back then. Uh-huh. Oh, no, that wasn't happening. There wasn't obesity. You know, people were quite fit, you know, back in those days, you mm-hmm. know. They were, uh, I'm talking 70s, 60s, 80s, half of the 80s in the beginning. Then the obesity just started going crazy. You know, you look up and now it's become almost like in the underserved community, it's almost like obesity is like a norm. Right. It's okay to be there. And it's really unhealthy when you really look at the situation. Young people, I'm not talking about older people. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about young people. Yeah. You know, uh, with obesity and they're okay with it, you know, and you know, it's unhealthy. They really know it's unhealthy. You know, and then you got people, some people who say, well, I'm going to do something about it and never do anything about it. Mm -hmm. Continue on with that same cycle. You know, and I'm not trying to talk about anybody or put anybody down. You live your life the way you see fit to live your life. But, you know, we want to make some healthy choices. I mean, hey, I need to lose some weight. You know, I can lose a few pounds myself, you know, get back on my bicycle and you know, go for it, you know, so, hey, that, that's what's going on. Well, I think diet's a good place to start. Diet is a good place to start. It is. You know, but also I've learned what kind of diet, you know, some people take liquid diets and drink all kinds of crazy stuff, and some people just stop yeah. eating, period, and don't put no nutrients in their body to try to lose weight, and then some people just just going to eat this kind of food. So what kind of diet? Yeah, is I don't good like for you. I don't like the word diet because has the word die in it. Yeah, die, it does. <laughs> yeah, so I like it. I'd like to call it a lifestyle. Um, I talk a lot about the longevity diet, which is something that someone's talking about a lot. Um, it's a new book out, but it's really talking about the people that live the longest in the world in the blue zones where people live the longest. There's about six blue zones in the world. They eat local, seasonal food. So if it's local, if it's fresh, if it's um, grown in the ground or on a vine or or anything that's it's actual real food, then you're going to live a longer, healthier life. So I do promote a more plant-based diet. We're eating meat at a way higher rate than most people. So having it three times a day, which is really normal. Yep, meat, any type of meat. 
Um, so cow meat, um, any even fish. I'm talking about all all types well, I, of. I like fish. I know. Well, <laughs> you can still have meat. That's not what uh, I'm saying. Uh-huh. What I'm saying is people who live the longest in the world, they eat meat just more rarely. So instead of eating it like three times a day, like the American diet does, they eat it about once a week or mm-hmm. once a month where mm-hmm. they have like a celebration or something like that. That's kind of like uh, over in India, they don't really eat meat. They don't eat cow. Right. You know, and so you can look at them and you can see, wow, they're in pretty good shape physically. Because they don't eat all that meat and stuff like the Asians, Asia over uh, the Asians don't either, not as much. Right. But we're all man. We got to have a hamburger over here. I know, you know every what I day. Mean? We got to have something. Right. Uh, some pork chops, some steaks, uh, all kinds of bad food. And you know? the meat and in che- the meat and cheese here is indoctrinated with a lot of chemicals and hormones That's and right. antibiotics. Yeah. Yeah, that's the major issue. So. If it's like a locally raised cow or something like that, that's a different story a little bit. You see, repeat that again. Like a locally raised cow. A locally raised <laughs> cow. Okay. That's right. If they like, you know, if it's some, if it's just someone's farm where they let them, you know, go free and graze and have, eat you know, grass like cows are supposed to. Yeah, eating eat grass like, like instead of feeding them chemical chemical grain. Yeah, yeah right. They just feed to make them, them a big, lot of that. Huh? Yeah. Uh Yeah, there's a lot of that going on. And so within seven seconds of eating meat and cheese, it causes inflammation in your body. And inflammation is what causes disease. So if you allow an inflammation and infection to go on long enough, it'll cause disease in the body. And that's what people don't understand. So if you actually reduce your meat consumption, maybe you just stop eating meat one day a week. I'm just saying like a meatless Monday or something. Oh, so you're going to lose weight? You'll yeah. definitely lose weight, but you can reduce the inflammation in your body. So I'm talking about arthritis, any kind of like bone or joint pain or back pain. You're going to reduce your inflammation. You can reduce, if you stop eating meat for like three weeks, you can reduce your inflammation up to 30% just by doing that. And what's really cool about this, and my brother likes me to share this a lot. He's had seizures since he was a, a teenager, and he's been on SSI disability. He has two boys, and his wife is the only one who works. She doesn't make a whole lot of money. They live on less than twenty grand a year, and they are able to eat organic food because of the way that they, they go to Aldi and they buy some organic food, and they don't buy a bunch of meat and cheese. So that leaves a lot more money. To buy, for, to buy fruits and vegetables because a health. lot of people say, oh, Aaron, that's a very white elitist thing for you to say, like, will I eat local food? And I have to explain to people, well, if you actually don't buy a bunch of this other stuff, you have money to then buy the stuff that's really good for you. Mm-hmm. Good information. Well, look here. We're going to take a little short break and we're going to come right back. You're on the Bobby Eaton Show, where we tell our stories our way. Dial the number 646-716-5525 and press the one button. Again, that's 646-716-5525. We're going to be right back. All right. Searching for ways to grow your business? Or perhaps you would like to invest in cultive African-American communities. The Black Wall Street Chamber of Commerce is a great place to start. The Chamber was created to serve and increase the visibility of needs in our community. It is an umbrella organization for local businesses, the Tulsa Juneteenth Festival, BWS Black Women in Business, and the Grassroots Economic Development Fund known as BWS The Power Group. 
For more information about the Black Wall Street Chamber of Commerce or to donate to the Power Group, visit bwschamber.com. Hello, Tulsa. This is Janetta Cole with Sunday Dinner and More by Janet, your weekend soul spot. Every Saturday and Sunday from 11 a.m. until 4 p.m. We're located 531 East Apache in the historic Apache Circle Center. Of course, during these times, it's carry out only, but you can call 918-951-5143. That's Sunday Dinner and More by Janet. How to order chicken wings. Number one, find a good wing spot. I know a wing spot, Max Wings. Number two, decide if you want a combo or if you want to order a la carte. Huh? What's that? Well, combos come with chicken, veggie sticks, fries, and a drink for a discounted price. A la carte means that you order each item separately. Ah. Okay. Three, decide if you want bone-in, boneless, or cauliflower wings. And then determine the delicious flavor you want on your wings. I didn't even know cauliflower had wings. You learn something new every day. Have you been to Max Wings? Yep, yep, Max yep. Wings is located at 782 East Pine Street in Tulsa. We're open Monday through Thursday from 11 a.m. to 8 p.m. and on Friday and Saturday from 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. Come to Max Wings, home of the dry rub fry. PJ Publishing Incorporated announces a new book release, The Entrepreneurial Woman. The World is Your Playground by Angela K. Chambers, MES. Available right now for pre-order at payhip.com slash B slash N B capital A capital C. The book release is set to hit June 1st, 2020. If you're ready to publish your book, visit us online at www.pnjpublishing.com. Unleash that book that's inside of you with PNJ Publishing. Everybody talk about you Hey, it's Denise with Addie Mae's Food for the Soul, where we cater to vegan, Presbyterian, and everyday sultry soul food. We have Meatloaf Mondays, Taco Tuesdays, Chicken Wing Wednesdays, Turkey and Dressing Thursdays, Fish Fridays, Barbecue Saturdays, and Sundays is our sultry soul food. We're located at 5266 North Peoria. You can contact us for calling orders at 918-845-2989. And we also deliver with DoorDash. Hope to see you soon. Hello, Tulsa. This is Janetta Cole with Sunday Dinner and More by Janet, your weekend soul spot. Every Saturday and Sunday from 11 a.m. until 4 p.m. We're located 531 East Apache in the historic Apache Circle Center. Of course, during these times, it's carry out only, but you can call 918-951-5143. That's Sunday Dinner and More by Janice. If your credit starts with a 3, 4, 5, or 6, this is for you. Did you know that it's costing you to have bad credit? You can't get qualified for that house or apartment and you're paying high interest rates. 
along with paying high car insurance, and it may be costing you that job that you really want. What are you waiting on? Take more of a holistic approach. Pick up the phone and call the Credit Shiro at 832-642-1554 or text CAMP to 76626. With 13 amazing services, we restore and repair generations to come. Once again, call the Credit Shiro at 832-642-1554 or text CAMP to 76626. If you know better, you do better. Only the Credit Shiro can help you to save the day. Northstar Security and Private Investigation provides over 35 years of experience to ensure your security and investigation needs are met. Our officers are CLEAT and state certified. If you're seeking employment, stop by our website at www.northstarsecurityandpi.com. For details on quotes and employment opportunities, call today at 918-248-6592. That's 918-248-6592. North Star Security and Private Investigation. Hello, Tulsa. This is Janetta Cole. With Sunday Dinner and More by Janet, your weekend soul spot. Every Saturday and Sunday from 11 a.m. until 4 p.m. We're located 531 East Apache in the historic Apache Circle Center. Of course, during these times, it's carry out only, but you can call 918-951-5143. That's Sunday Dinner and More by Janet. What's up, y'all? This is Charlie Wilson, and you listen to K-Bob, 89.9 FM, Bobby Eaton Show. Oh, yeah, you're on the Bobby Eaton Show where we tell our stories our way. We're here every Monday, Wednesday at 6 p.m., and Saturdays like today at 12 noon. Tune in. You can go to KBOB899.com and get all the information you need about what we're doing over here at Eaton Media Services. We serve the community, and that's just what we do. You know, we we have a lot of programs over here. And uh, if you need to get in touch with us, you can email us at eatonmusic 2 at gmail.com. Again, that's E-A-T-O-N. M-U-S-I-C, the number two, at gmail.com. So we're loving it over here. So we're talking about local food, you know. So uh, what would you guys say just the top five foods to eat? You want to name a What couple? would you guys you name, name, you If name you had them. a choice, you only have five now. What are the five top foods five to foods well, to eat? We want to. How about right now, since it's a seasonal time? Like, it's what would be the five foods? That I just are, said that five, you're, yeah, five foods. Five foods. Okay, yeah. sweet potatoes are going to be one. Yeah, sweet Amen. potatoes. Right. Sweet say potatoes. if you're stuck on an island and you can only have one food, it should be sweet potatoes. That's what I've always heard. Sweet potatoes. Sweet potatoes, huh? They grow so well here. Okay. And sweet can, potatoes. That's one. Yeah. Uh huh. 
Um, I I do prescribe to a carnivorous diet, so I would I would want some type of animal protein in my diet. Probably. Okay, such as um, probably poultry. Poultry. Yeah. What kind of poultry? Uh, Break it down. Like chicken. Chicken. You know. Okay, so you're saying chicken. Yeah. So you're saying sweet potato and chicken. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Now you got three more. Do you, you want my top five? Yeah. Okay. What would be your top five? Well, this might just be coming down to stuff I like to eat. I like to ferment vegetables, like pickle them, so to speak. So mm-hmm. any type of veg that's good for pickling. So, so such as? I really like to make uh, sauerkraut out of cabbage. Sauerkraut. Yeah. So, so that's number three, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah, right. What's number four? Number four, uh, I love berries. And berries. you know what grows what? well here are blackberries and blueberries. Ah, uh, yeah, so I like those, berries, too. Those would be a big part of the diet. Oh, wow. That's four, right? That's about four. And you got one more. What was that? The top five. What am I missing here? Um, I got some protein, got some fruits, got some vegetables. I guess I just probably use one of my favorite vegetables, and that's peppers. Peppers. And they grow well here, too. So, all right. Well, great. Sound like hey, you got. Good. Okay. Sweet potatoes, uh, poultry like chicken and stuff, right? Yeah. Uh, sauerkraut. Yeah. Uh, Berries. Berries and peppers. Yeah. And peppers. Right? That sounds great. That sounds great. Great. What about you, yeah. Aaron? Hmm. My top five foods. So I eat an avocado like avocado. I eat three or five a week. Do you? <laughs> yeah, I you like avocado. I, like I make it. guacamole, I like, like raw guacamole. I, I just put I a little like salt and pepper and some olive oil on there and eat it with some chips. I like, like it too. That's what I like to do. I like to do that as well. Um, and I love bananas too. A banana's I'm a good. banana eater. Yeah, okay. big time. Um, you know, I really like chickpeas. Um, chickpeas. Yeah. So mm-hmm. garbanzo beans, which are the same beans. Thing. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, those are a really great source of protein. I really like those. Okay. That's three. Um, and I love berries too, but I would say berries? strawberries. Strawberries. I like strawberries a lot uh, and mango. Right. Mango. Yeah. Mango. Okay. You got a lot of non-local. That's not Thanks. local. Food. You got mango, uh-huh. avocado, banana. You got stuff that got to come in here. Yeah, uh-huh. there's stuff you can't get. Yeah, well, that's right, great. Right. And you got one more. Um, let's say squash. I think squash, squash. is really oh, you good like in squash, that though. seasonal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, I do. I, I didn't hear any of you people, uh, anybody say spinach or, oh, I love or spinach greens too. or anything like that. Yeah, no. spinach. Spinach. I love spinach. But I like greens. I a like lot. the yams. <laughs> They're they're good. Yeah, good in yeah. protein and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. bok choy, kale, um, all the greens. I love all the greens. I think greens, the greens are good. Do you? Yeah. Okay. And I like cooked greens, raw yeah. greens, whatever. Mm-hmm. Those are that is good for now, you. Now, do you guys? How do you guys feel about crock pot cooking? I I do it all the time. Yeah. I think it's yeah. a really great way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Just put it in and let it go, huh? That's right. Slow Slow cooking is good. Be careful with the older crockpots that can become fire hazards. Yeah. (laughs) The older ones. Yeah, the real old. Yeah. Yeah. I use use a crockpot from time to time, you know. I'm a single man, live alone. Me and, well, I don't say alone. Me and my son live together, but, you know, throw something in the crockpot. Absolutely. Call it a day. Yeah. Ain't no woman bring me no food. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) That's funny. That's okay. Uh, Y'all, I'm just throwing this talking. But uh, it's uh, it's good to try to eat healthy. And when you get older, up in age, and you become a senior, uh, a lot of seniors really just give up. That's right. They just really, just to be honest with you, give up, you know, and they eat whatever they eat and not trying to go on no diet or diet, Yeah. you know <laughs> what I mean, or anything like that. So, 
You know, you got to yeah, be careful. It's hard to change. It's yeah. hard to change. People don't like change. It, yeah, it's they don't. uncomfortable. They don't like you know? their change. Yeah. They don't like their change. And food is addicting. So, where, where will we start? Say somebody listening today, what would you guys suggest the first place that they start as far as changing a lifestyle when it comes to local food? I would say start really small and do incremental yep. changes. Don't like try to go, like I was just saying, you're not, I'm not going to come into somebody's home or, or talk to someone and do a consultation and say, Oh, just stop eating meat. Like that's just not going to work, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so I would say start really small and um, like when you once, say, when you say small, I would say like once a like, week, maybe try to have a meal together with your family that you've cooked and maybe involve everyone in that process. Maybe just once a week, because it can seem really overwhelming to feel like you need to cook every single mm-hmm. day. And if you could just start by cooking one meal and mm-hmm. you could even cook enough that might last you two or three days. Mm-hmm. I think that would be a really well, positive way. You know, back in the day, sometimes mothers would get in the kitchen and grandmas would get in the kitchen and they would include their daughters and nieces in the kitchen as well. So it would be a good thing to involve them to let little Susie cut, you know, just deal with something, you know, that she can be involved with to make her feel apart. Absolutely. You know, or he feel apart, not just females. But males as well, right. you know, shelling some peas or something or, you know, hey, you do those and I, he do that. Get everybody involved. It's that connection. It's again. that connection. When the kids are involved, they're more likely to mm-hmm. want to participate try, and, want try to eat and try to eat it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. right. Because these kids today, their appetites, are they want some nuggets. That's right. You know, they just want some. Chicken nuggets. Chicken and nuggets. Macaroni and cheese. And macaroni and that's it. <laughs> that's what macaroni they have and cheese. Day. Chicken nuggets. As long yeah. as they're getting that, they're okay. Mm-hmm. And then it, I think it runs into a situation where it's when you offer them some nutrients, something that's good, they shy away and push away. They don't want it. Yeah, and it alters their mm-hmm. taste buds too. Mm-hmm. So, totally. especially if they're eating more artificial foods the younger they are, they're going to be less likely to think that that stuff tastes good. But what's cool is your taste buds can change back. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You can really well, yeah. change well, back. Some of their taste buds need to change because <laughs> these yeah. mothers and fathers are feeding them this fabricated type foods and, you know, all of this. Ooh, it's pitiful. And you know, fruits are maybe a good vehicle. Because fruits. fruits might be a little bit more attractive to it is. someone. It would be. Right. And you're still getting those. A juicy cherry or something. Or sure. A strawberry or mm-hmm. some blueberries or something. Huh? Yeah, Absolutely. that might be a good place to start. Just to start with your children. Just, huh? Yeah, introducing just like some really good tasting, more familiar kind of things is good. So starting small. Starting small. small. Don't that, pressure yourself too much because I mm-hmm. think people go on these diets and then they don't stick with it and they maybe mess up a day and then they spend the rest of the time beating themselves up about it. Mm-hmm. And that's not what we want anyone to do. Yeah. It's like if you're going to have your ice cream, enjoy it. Like enjoy it because the guilt is going to age you too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's going to have you right there as well. Uh, yeah, oxidative stress. Like uh, don't if you're going to if you're going to have a uh-huh. cheat day or you're going to, you know, make a choice you didn't, you know, necessarily want to make, just enjoy it and then make a better choice next time. Mm-hmm. You know, love yourself. It's mm-hmm. okay. Then I would say for that piece, um maybe try to check out a local community garden and see if it's something you vibe with. Yeah. It's not for everybody. Yeah. Not everyone's going to want to get yeah. out in the garden, but Come down and check out 
What's the name of your community garden here going to be? Uh, ours is Not Forgotten Children is the name of our um, nonprofit organization, yeah. which we got right there. So that's what it's going to be. Yeah, I think yeah. if you can get in the dirt a little bit and touch the food, see, watch it grow, harvest it, mm-hmm. I think that's going to connect you and incentivize yeah. you to want to eat it. You know, here. when my business partner, Dean Finley, uh, shout out to Dean. When Dean came came and said, hey, man, I'm getting ready to buy this property over here so we can buy this property. I say, what are we going to do with it? He said, community garden. I say, community garden for the kids. I said, yeah, let's do it. Let's just do it. Let's don't talk about it. Let's do it. Because then I started thinking about health, community, underserved community, people not having good vegetables. I said, wow, this could be huge for us, our community. And then uh, uh, hooked up with Earl Stripling, master gardener, you know, and that was like, oh, whoa, we got the, we're putting these pieces in place. And uh, it's starting to really work out. And we we expect by summertime, springtime, it's going to be popping over there. You know, some people have donated some, wanted some seeds, you know, donated some seeds. And, you know, you got to watch the seeds. I understand that some of them can be old and no good to plant. So, you know, I had to learn that myself. Mm-hmm. You know, just because a seed don't mean it's a good seed. That's right. It might you not know. be organic. It might be GMO, which mm-hmm. means it's not going to have the nutrients. It's not going to create the nutrients. That's right. Um, so, but um, We're going to need volunteers. We're going to need people participating. We're going to just need involvement. You know, when you engage people and you bring them together and they can see how fun it is, not only for children, but for adults as well. That's a good thing. You know. Yeah. So what are you going to do with the food? We're going to disperse it amongst the children. Mm-hmm. We're going to give it to the kids mm. and some adults, too. But we're going to make sure the kids who are involved, uh, the programs that we're going to be involved, we're going to involve the Reed Community Center, Pocket Full of Hope, all of these uh, children and youth organizations. We're going to involve them. And as they grow their food and stuff like that, we'll give it to them. That's great. You know, and we'll just, you know, like I say, little Johnny will come in and get some tomatoes and potatoes and greens, a little bag of that. That's what he grew, and he'll take it home. You You're going to be a model for the rest of the community if someone else wants to start a well, garden. They can come and kind of see how it works. We'll know because we'll have the template yeah. to know what to do. We'll all be educated on learning about that. i got to be educated. I'm not a gardener. Sure. I'm not a farmer. I don't know, but I'm I'm curious about growing i might have me a little bitty section over there this is a little bobby section you know right there to grow me something you know just to to see what it's like yeah i mean when i was coming up i used to pick it out grandma's garden but we never did grow anything we just picked it all shell those peas out on the back porch and you know we that's what we did man was that a chore for you was that something you didn't like to do well it was it was basically uh every week chore for for the family Somebody had to do it, you know. So if you were there and grandma, we call big mama. When big mama was out there and with her apron on and, hey, you guys shell these peas. That's what you did. Did you enjoy it, though? It was was okay just sitting there shelling peas and talking to my cousins. And I got more than you got, you know what I mean? And it was fun. And to see, you know, to taste some of the foods and 
that was good, you know, because she would send us out to the chicken coop, you know, go get me two eggs. We go over there and the chicken be in there waiting for them to get up off of it. You know, you make them get up off and grab two eggs and come on back, you know, so, you know, out in the country. And that's what we did. And it was a, it was a good life. It was fun life. And because, uh, you know, I come from a, uh, my mother, there were 12 girls. Wow. 12 girls. And my grandpa was a farmer, a hard worker. I mean, he just did all of it, you know, and he had 12 girls in his household. They had big families back in those days, mm-hmm. you know, and um, um, even the guys who would come over to try to date my aunts, he put them to work. <laughs> That's what he was. He put them to work with him, chopping trees, doing whatever. You know, he, you know, hey boy, come on over here. Here's what we were gonna do. You coming over here trying to see my daughter? I mean, you know what I mean? That's the kind of attitude. He was a strong man. He didn't play. And uh, we be out there, little kids, his grandbabies and stuff, ripping and running around the house and going to the garden and up and down the streets. You know, so just having fun. I think also another thing you were asking about, you know, what's a good place to start is obviously eating great, you know, eating better yourself or with your family. But if you're someone who's really interested in maybe having a little garden at your house or being a community farmer, um, James is a really great program that he's providing. And I want to give James a a little bit to what program he's doing. Okay, James, talk about it a little bit. Tell us what you got going on. Okay, yeah. Um, so, like, one thing we're trying to address with our program, the main thing is uh, creating more talent in our community, agricultural talent, like people with know-how, you know, how to come in and take a piece of land and make it productive uh, and do that without chemicals. So, um, the way our program works is we have an introductory course where we have uh, – First of all, what's the name of your program? It's the uh, Green Core Farmer Incubator. Okay. Yeah. All so right. we're incu- like you incubate chicks. Yeah, got you. Know, you. Farmer incubator. Yeah. We're incubator. trying to incubate farmers. Yeah, it's the only farmer incubator in Tulsa. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, we have an introductory course um, that we put on every spring where you can come in and just get exposed to the broad uh, spectrum of farming, kind of see all the different facets. Not very in-depth, but you get to see, you know, a good wide-angle view. Um, And then from there, people who want to continue further, we have uh, internships with local farms where you go put in hours with a local farm and get to learn under a local farmer. And then um, for folks wanting to pursue farming even further than that, we have uh, incubator plots um, made available to students where they can come and have their own little plot and they got all the resources they need. Like we have a tractor that we share and we have – no, oh, you share a tractor. Yeah, huh? we we have a tool library, so we share mm-hmm. tools. We make we try to lower. There's so many barriers to entry when you want to become a farmer. You got to have land. You got to mm-hmm. have infrastructure. You got to have tools. You got to have the knowledge. So we're trying to create an environment where those barriers are lowered. Um, so our incubator plots is a place where you'd have your own quarter acre plot, and you can um, hone in on your skill sets in a low risk environment. You know where you don't have like a payment to the bank or anything. You can just practice. Um, so hopefully through that, we'll create a, um, a community where we have tons of proficient farmers from all over Tulsa and they can, um, 
be more successful, whether they want to be an independent farm that grows their own food for market or work with like a community farm where mm-hmm. they're growing food as a collaborative, like in their mm-hmm. neighborhood or whatever. Well, how can they contact you if needed? How, um, how's, what's the contact information? Yeah, we have a webpage on um, my, my business's website, Green Country Permaculture. Um, so that's green um, is in the color green country permaculture with a P is in Paul permaculture.com. And uh, there's a um, page on there called the market farming immersion course. Oh, great. And we have scholarships available. So like, don't stress it. If money's um, a concern, we have a scholarship funding for students. Yeah, so you can apply now on the website, and yep. uh, the course is $500, but like James says, um, we have scholarships, so we can supplement or even pay for all of someone's entry, and we're also doing an introductory kind of just a one-hour online session on Facebook on January 23rd with the Tulsa Farmers Market to kind of introduce his program so people can ask questions and decide if it's something they want to enroll in. So be looking on that for face on Facebook. And if you follow me on for Aaron Martin or on Instagram, Aaron W. Martin, I'll post all sorts of stuff about Mm -hmm. that. So you'll be doing some training, right? Yeah, absolutely. We've had two uh, groups of students. We've done it two years now and it's been really successful. Um, it's been really good. Yeah, what were those cohorts like? Uh, a lot of young people, a few older people, but a lot of young people wanting to learn how to farm and wanting to figure out how can I do this? Like, how can I make this a reality? Um, we've been very fortunate to be able to team up with John 316, the mission in Tulsa. They have some land just west of downtown on Edison, and uh, they have a lot of land, so they're letting us use that for our plots. And um, they have an irrigation system and a tractor and a lot of the the, the deer fencing that keeps the deer out of the field and all that good stuff. So. Yeah, keeping the deer out. Huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, they'll eat your stuff. <laughs> uh, um, Earl told me that he has like some mesh wiring over all his plants and stuff. Absolutely. So those bugs won't get in there and all of that. And it keeps all of them out there. Yep. And I was like, wow. Now, some people just got, they're just growing their stuff in the open air and have to deal with bugs. Now, how do you, what do you, how do you contain the bugs, man, and the rabbits and the squirrels and all snakes and all that that come in gardens, you know? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I could go really deep into that, but in general, it's like with bugs, you want to have healthy, um, like healthy people don't get sick as often, right? They're not, they're, That's not, right. they're not vulnerable to all the same pressures of disease. Uh, same thing with plants. If you have healthy soil, you're going to grow healthy plants. So I'm a big proponent of organic Agriculture, which basically is just how agriculture's always been, you know, until the last 50 years when we started using all these chemical chemicals from warfare on our food supply, you know. So uh, I think that's a, a big ticket to having healthy plants is having organically managed soil, so not using any harmful chemicals. I think that works out a lot of the bug problems. Um, and then just avoiding things that are hard to grow, you know. What's so, hard to grow? Uh, Tell me a plant or something. Squash, for example. Squash, so like, something that everyone likes. Like that squash. <laughs> yeah, yeah, nothing yeah. I said was local. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it's, it's a good example. So squash is hard to grow? It, it grows well, but there's this one bug, the squash vine borer, that comes and bores into the trunk of the squash plant and just kills the plant in a number of like a day or two. Really? Yeah. and like I, I saw, never knew that. I saw Earl Stripling's post, and what he's doing is he keeps this 
physical barrier, this cloth, mesh cloth mm -hmm. over his squash so that the bug actually can't get in. And what's cool, what we were talking about online is like, okay, well, how do the bees get in to pollinate the flowers to make the squash grow? And Earl was telling me he pollinates them by hand. He actually goes in there and takes pollen from one flower the, and puts it on another. Wow. And that's, that's how he does it. So you can grow squash if you can figure out the bug problem. Um, I think Earl's a beast, boy. Yeah. yeah so it's, it's knowing, <laughs> He's it's knowing your climate. Yeah. How you grow here is different than how you grow in California or the East Coast or up in the mountains. So knowing where you live um, and what that ecology is like is really important to understand how to grow. Do you go grow year round or here? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. How do people, you do that? Uh, hoop houses. Hoop houses. That's right. That's the key, huh? For season extension mm -hmm. here. Yeah. We have pretty mild winters, so you can grow food. Yeah. Uh, almost year round here. Mm -hmm. Can you tell people what a hoop house is? Cause I know I've told people and they'll have no idea what that well, is. Yeah, what a, what is, what a, is hoop a hoop house? You know uh -huh. what a hoop house is. I know, what, I know what it is. All right. Why don't you tell us? <laughs> Well, uh, you tell us. It's better. You're the it's farmer. It's your interview. Oh, so, yeah. You tell us. Don't get Bobby in there. You tell him what a hoop house is. What is a hoop house? It's kind of like a greenhouse. It's just a little more flimsy. Um, mm -hmm. It's just basically some hoops. Um, with like plastic a, like on a, them? Like a tunnel, you know, with mm -hmm. a, with plastic over it. So it, it lets sunlight in and kind of keeps some of the heat in. So you can make it a little warmer inside of a hoop house. So during the winter... When it might be a little too cold to grow things outside, you can you can grow them inside a hoop mm -hmm. house. Yeah. So it's not as extravagant as like a greenhouse or something like Typically that. Typically not. Okay. Right. And they're smaller. It's you easier know. to get a hoop house than a greenhouse. That's right. Right. Way less expensive. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah, I'm learning about all of this. You know, there's a lot to know. Stuff. You know, and one thing that I've learned is that you can oversaturate with water. Absolutely. Giving a plant too much water. Mm -hmm. Too much of a good thing. Too much and, thing. De and destroy it, right? Possibly. Yeah. Yeah. Depends on your soil and the mm -hmm. plant, but yeah. And it's all about that soil, isn't it? Soil is the foundation that's of everything. A, that's it. It's yeah. everything. I'm so glad yeah. you brought that it's up. It's all about soil. Yeah. You know. Soil. If you want to know more about soil, you can go on Netflix and watch uh, Kiss the Ground is the new documentary on soil and how it's going to change our world. Yeah, we should give a shout out to Chris uh, yeah. Walker and what he's doing. You asked, you asked about growing things year round. You can also grow indoors. That is a way to grow. And uh, yeah. I wish Chris was here to talk more about that. But about yeah. growing indoors. Yeah, yeah, that's what Chris does. Hydroponics, really awesome. aquaponics. You know, and sorry yeah. to throw out those words, but I know a couple of people doing some growing indoors. Oh, do you? <laughs> yeah, they're growing something else. So anyway. Right, yeah. A lot of cannabis growers grow cannabis inside. But, happening, you know. but hydroponics and aquaponics definitely have a role to play. And, and um, it's expensive to kind of start up some of those things. But I know Chris is doing s some small setups that are really cheap for people to do At inside. Charter School, right? And his, yeah, Legacy Charter Schools. And his business is called Hydro Aqua 918. Wow. That's Chris Boogie Walker, Hydro mm -hmm. Aqua 918. You can find him on Facebook and ask him more questions. We'd love to hear more from from him and see his stuff grow. And I want to see everything grow. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> grow, 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 grow. Never stop growing. You know, and that's what we need to do. So for what, what would you, for a person 
never grown anything before and they want to start growing something. They ain't never grew nothing before. Don't even what will, what will be the starting point for them that you would recommend? Well, um they ain't never grew nothing now. I'd start with the container garden. Container um, garden. As yeah. in growing something in a pot as a as opposed to growing something in the ground. Okay. Because once you're in the ground, you're you're vulnerable to just weeds and all kinds of mishap. Um, and I think growing in a container is really good for folks starting because they can keep it close to their house. They can even have it on a patio at an apartment. They can move it around. They huh? can move it. If they put it in the wrong spot, it's not right. getting enough sun. No problem, you know. So uh, cont- container. Yeah, so what container kind of, What kind of containers do people use other than obviously the typical pot? But anything you can, anything, like you a, know? Like a big water jug or something, one of those big, sure. cut, cut it off and cut, cut it, it out. Off, put some holes in, holes the, bottom in the bottom so it drains, so mm-hmm. it doesn't just hold. Remember those you said too much water is not good? Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, use what you got, mm-hmm. you know, and pop some seeds, get some seeds from somewhere. Now, how, many, how do you know how many seeds to pop inside of a container? Is that kind of like well, I'm gonna put two in here. No, I'm gonna put ten in here. Uh, you're gonna learn you, either way. Either way know? goes, huh? <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you put too many seeds in, you're gonna have too many little plants competing for too little space. Mm-hmm. You know, so I usually put two or three seeds in the hole, and then I'll pull the two weakest looking ones, and I'll let the strongest one okay flourish. Develop. Yeah. And you know, just get online. Like I feel like we live in a world today where. You can research just about anything yeah, you, you want can. to. So if you really want to grow. Go to YouTube, huh? Yeah. Check out what people are doing online. Mm-hmm. And it's not always going to fit your context. Um, might not fit your climate. You know, what? how people grow in Florida might be different than how we grow up here. But um, it's it's there. Information's out there. Yeah, it's out there. You know, people can get whatever they want to get today. It's yeah. there. Yeah. You know, it's really there. So that's a good way to do it. Container growing. Yeah, get, just to see if you like it before you put in a big effort to put, mm-hmm. like, a big garden. Because it, it, it has been a few people that I've known. They went out in the backyard, started digging and digging, and they planted some stuff. And it never really developed because they didn't have the time or whatever reasons it was. And it just didn't happen. Nothing really growed. Yeah. You know. Come check out. But that's why it's good to have these community gardens like the one you're starting because mm-hmm. people can come and see what it looks like. And get instructions, too. Yeah. Right. And, like, if you try on your own and you're met with failure, you're going to be like, oh, that doesn't work. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to give up. But if you see someone else successfully doing it, you think, okay, it can be done. How can I replicate it? All right. You're so right about that. How can you do it? Well, look here. We're going to take a little, another little short pause for the calls. You're on the Bobby Eaton Show where we tell our stories our way. And if you'd like to talk online, just dial the number 646-716-5525. It's a one button. Just call in and talk to us. Again, I'm going to give it to you one more time. 646-716-5525. It's the Bobby Eaton Show where we tell our stories our way. So we're going to be around here. Stick around and we'll be right back.
I'm checking trouble, sugar, moving down the line. I come apart, but that's okay. Trouble man, don't get in my way. I come apart, I've been for real, man. Gonna keep moving, gonna go down. I come apart, I come up get down. There's only three things that we show. Publishing Incorporated announces a new book release, The Entrepreneurial Woman. The World is Your Playground by Angela K. Chambers, MES. Available right now for pre-order at payhip.com slash B slash N B capital A capital C. The book release is set to hit June 1st, 2020. If you're ready to publish your book, visit us online at www.pnjpublishing.com. Unleash that book that's inside of you with PNJ Publishing. Everybody talk about you How to order chicken wings. Number one, find a good wing spot. I know a wing spot, Max Wings. Number two, decide if you want a combo or if you want to order a la carte. Huh? What's that? Well, combos come with chicken. Veggie sticks, fries, and a drink for a discounted price. A la carte means that you order each item separately. Ah, okay. Three, decide if you want bone-in, boneless, or cauliflower wings. And then determine the delicious flavor you want on your wings. I didn't even know cauliflower had wings. You learn something new every day. Have you been to Max Wings? Yep, yep, Max yep. Wings is located at 782 East Pine Street in Tulsa. We're open Monday through Thursday from 11 a.m. to 8 p.m. and on Friday and Saturday from 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. Come to Max Wings, home of the dry rub fry. 
What's up, y'all? This is Charlie Wilson, and you listen to K-Bob, 89.9 FM, Bobby Eaton Show. Hi, this is Abdul Raouf of the SOS Band, and when we're in Tulsa, we listen to KBOB, 89.9 FM. Hey, it's Alfred Woodard. When I'm in Tulsa, I keep it on K-Bob. That's how I find out what's really happening. KBOB 89.9 FM. Hello, Tulsa. This is Janetta Cole with Sunday Dinner and More by Janet, your weekend soul spot. Every Saturday and Sunday from 11 a.m. until 4 p.m. We're located 531 East Apache in the historic Apache Circle Center. Of course, during these times, it's carry-out only, but you can call 918-951-5143. That's Sunday Dinner and More by Janice. All right, we're back here on KBOB 89.9 FM, and we're having a great conversation about local food, you know, and um, we've been talking about a lot of stuff. There's some other areas of food that we need to talk about. Are there any others? We've hit on a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff, right. And um, we talked about the bugs and we talked about growing these different types of food and uh, some things that are hard to grow. We talked about squash, That's right? That's right. That was hard to go. Are there any others that are real difficult and hard to grow in this climate that we're in? Yeah, peaches. 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 Oh, yeah. Now, when I was coming up, peaches used to grow all around town. We just go by somebody's house and pull them off their tree. You know, but now now I never see a lot of fruit around anymore. What happened? Is it climate control? Because uh, berries, we used to get the mulberries and put them in jars and peaches and persimmons and all kinds of stuff was just out there for the grabbing. With the peaches, it's two things. Uh, oriental fruit moth, it's a bug um, that came over from Asia, and it can decimate peach trees. Um, so they have to spray a lot for those now. And then also it didn't used to be as humid here in um this area before we built all the reservoirs and that humidity causes a lot of fungal issues for peaches. So that might've been why you saw more peaches back. Man, I, we seen a ton of peaches back in the day and some people back in still, the seventies and stuff, man, we had peaches for days. People still have luck with them sometimes in the city. The bugs aren't as bad, but when you got into the country, it gets mm-hmm. way worse. Um, but there's a lot of fruits that are easy to grow here. Mm-hmm. Like uh, pears are the easiest pears. Yeah. They're like bulletproof here in, in, Oklahoma? In northeast Oklahoma, absolutely. Wow. Never wow. knew that. Yeah. yeah. I'd grow a pear tree over a peach, even though I like peaches more, but it's like which ones mm-hmm. can actually give me good fruit. Mm-hmm. That was another one right there was easy to grab. We you walking home from school, man, and just grab a peach, grab a pear, you know, yeah. whatever, and just go on to the house. You'd be eating on it and go and home. They ripen at different times of the year, right. too. It's cool to have that diversity because then you get, you know, you eat, you're eating berries in June. You're eating 
you know, maybe peaches in mm-hmm. July and then mm-hmm. you're eating apples and then mm-hmm. pears and all the way. Now let's, down to let's talk a little bit about nuts. Nuts. Okay. Nuts. We haven't talked about nuts like pecans, almonds, brain food. Yeah. Brain food. So what is your take on uh, that type of, of nuts? I think nuts are great. Um, they take a long time to grow. They grow on a tree typically. There are ground nuts like peanuts, but most nuts we're talking about are tree nuts. Mm-hmm. So you plant a tree, it can take seven to ten years to start getting production off of it. Off of a tree? Yeah. That long, huh? Yeah, nut trees are the slowest growing out of all of them, out of like food-producing trees. Like fruit trees are five years or shorter. Um, but the nuts that grow well around here are going to be pecans. They grow down in like floodplains. Um, you'll see a lot down next to the river in areas. Um, places that flood. Uh, walnuts grow really well here. Really? Yeah. And then um, chestnuts used to grow really well here. There used to be more chestnut trees than there chestnuts, were oak huh? trees. Chestnuts roasting. That's right. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, but a blight came through and wiped out a lot of the American chestnut. So now they've really? started hybridizing them with Chinese chestnuts, and they're trying to bring that back. Uh, hmm. And then actually hazelnuts will grow here too. Hazelnuts grow here yeah. in Oklahoma? Yeah, they're actually native to North America. So, really? Wow. Uh, didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't never knew that, you know. And I planted them all, and, you know, they're just slow growing. Like I said, it's going to be a while. Um, there's a lot of... When you say it's, what, 10 years to yeah. just produce, a, I mean, that's a long time. That is a but long you time. look at the trees that are established, you go to some of these pecan groves, and mm-hmm. those trees are over 100 years old, and they're still producing. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Yeah, it is. Yeah. There's a big pecan farm out in Bixby, Oklahoma, yeah, actually. It is? It's big huge, yeah. So you can source them locally. You don't have to grow it yourself, but you could buy it here. You can go to Mohawk <laughs> Park, and me and my family, we used to go there and pick pecans off the ground in the fall. You know, they yeah. have all those pecan trees out there. They allow oh, you to do that, huh? flood- Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a big floodplain. So. Mm-hmm. Pecans are good. Yeah, I like pecans. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's that place in Bixby where you can take your pecans that you pick and they'll they'll hold them for you. They'll mm-hmm. you know put them through that machine that gives mm-hmm. you the t- takes the shell mm-hmm. off. Yeah, we've got a a friend in our community. He he picks pecans and honey, both of them, and he sells them all over this community over here. Everybody knows who he is, and they just go and get big bags. I get big bags of pecans and honey from him all the time. It's real good food. Yeah, yeah honey's honey is really good for you, especially honey. for like like local honey helps yeah. with seasonal mm-hmm. allergies and all mm-hmm. of that kind of good stuff. Yeah, I use you know I drink coffee, so I put honey I put honey <laughs> in my coffee. I like coffee too. Nice. You do too. <laughs> yeah. Okay, okay. I love coffee. Yeah, I do too, man. I gotta, <laughs> but I only drink I don't drink that much throughout the day. Do you drink throughout yeah. the day? No, just like a cup in the morning. That's all I do is a right. cup in the morning. Yeah. Good cup in the morning. You know. Mm-hmm. Early, something like that. Tea, yeah, you know. Tea's good. Tea's good. Yeah, we don't really have a local alternative for coffee. Yeah, we don't. Yeah. I don't know what we can do with that. No local <laughs> you know. coffee beans, huh? <laughs> you guys ever go to any uh, coffee cafes or anything like that? I'm gonna used to a little bit more. I go to a couple. I go to like there's Chalks, there's Coffee House on Cherry Street, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. They've got a good vibe in there, and the Gypsy Downtown is kind of cool. Gypsy Downtown, yeah, really I've been cool. there before too. Yeah, and That's you can cool vibe. medicate with your cannabis mm-hmm. there as well. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, but Gypsy's cool. We need to increase our knowledge about food. 
food, food, food. You know, we need our people to get involved in it. Everybody throughout Tulsa, get involved in food, you know. And uh, when you live in an underserved community in which I live in, it's real important that you invest in the right foods and start eating right. Because as gentrification takes place, you got all of these McDonald's, Taco Bells, Burger King, all of these people moving into the community with all this bad food. Yeah. It's just terrible. Yeah. You know, it's not like you can, uh, well, we got a smoothie place over here. Tropical Smoothie Tropical Cafe. Smoothie Cafe, which is better than going to some of those other places getting some food, quote unquote. Yeah. And you can get better sandwiches and things like that. You got a subway up in there. So I don't know how good all that is. You know, some, some things look better than what they are, you know. Sure, yeah, and they're not locally owned, so they're... No, they're, I mean, they're shipping fast, it in. Fast food restaurants, I mean, I feel like are money siphoned right. from the community. Yeah, coming in. Yeah, uh, that's right. Well, food food truck come in on Wednesday, <laughs> you know, coming in from California or somewhere or whatever mm-hmm. and dropping off the food. Yeah, even mm-hmm. some of the like organic produce is not locally grown. It's like big, big cow organic. They'll outbid the, you know, the littler farmers, and it's just really understanding the value of that and keeping the money in the community. And I think the black community understands that really well. Is like mm-hmm. keeping the money here, so investing in those businesses and mm-hmm. and keeping it here to to support the community. Mm-hmm. And same goes with food. Yeah, I think it's going to become more and more relevant um, local food. I really do. Yeah, I think it's on the way. It's just a matter of time and everybody getting educated about it and participating in it, you know. Yeah. That's a a good thing. It's hard to compete with uh, our industrial food system because it's subsidized. I mean, a huge part of our farm bill goes to subsidizing the very foods that aren't good for us processed foods making mm-hmm. those calories cheap mm-hmm. we actually sell all those all those processed foods are basically made out of either corn soy or wheat we 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 sell that food is sold below the cost of production uh by farmers and it's sub picked the bills picked the difference is picked up by the uh taxpayers american taxpayers so it's hard to compete with those food prices i mean processed food is so cheap you go into a grocery store calorie for calorie it's cheaper to buy two liter of soda than it is to buy a head of broccoli you know that's true huh yeah it's just we, we're subsidizing the wrong types of food and that 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 presents a disadvantage for us trying to grow food locally it's it's usually going to be a little bit more expensive because we don't operate at the same scale that these massive industrial players operate at um so it does take people being willing to support that for sure mm-hmm. wow well, education is power. The more we know, the better we're going to be able to do. And um, <clears throat> tell us one more time your website, where they can go. It's greencountrypermaculture.com. Okay. What about you, Aaron? What's, your, what's yours? My website's consciousagingsolutions.com, and I'm on all the platforms. So is James. So you can find Green Country Permaculture on Instagram, Conscious Aging Solutions. And if you want to follow me and my other projects in the community, uh, follow me on Aaron W. Martin or just Aaron Martin on Facebook. That's good. Yeah. Good. That's good. So we're going to green up some stuff, right? That's right. Yeah. Green up. And the feed up. 
from the soil up. We're going to do it together. Mm -hmm. We're going to do it together. Do it together. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what it's all about. That is what it's all about. Yeah. Doing it together. Getting involved. Yeah. Okay. That's why we do it, because we care about people. Great, great, great. We love humans. Yeah. (laughs) Well, we're going to, we've. I think we've put out enough information out there for them to get some knowledge. Yeah, chew on that. And chew that. on it, digest yeah, it. Yeah, con- quite a bit contact, there. Contact information to yeah. where they can. Um, and if you have go. if you have any questions or you don't know where to buy food or what you should do or how to get connected to James or how to do any of the stuff we've kind of talked about, feel free to email me at Aaron at ConsciousAgingSolutions.com or you can call or text 818. 818- Two eight eight seven 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 one. Happy to connect to you and talk to you and answer any questions that you might have. Great, great. Well, hey, I wanna. I know it's a little bit early, but you know we covered a, quite a bit. The show is recorded, so Google the Bobby Eaton Show for those who are out there listening and wanna wanna rehash what we've talked about right here. And uh, I wanna thank you guys for taking time out of your busy schedule. To come in here and talk about food, and that's so important. Well, thank you, Bobby. I really yeah. appreciate you using your platform to support the community and get this knowledge out there that's so important for the well-being of humans in the future. Yeah, yeah. thank you so much for the platform, and I'm really excited about the work you're doing with the community garden. Yeah, you guys got to yeah. come on over. Come oh, on yeah. over, get get with Earl. Cool. You know, get with the beast. <laughs> <laughs> I got to meet Earl. Yeah, I've been talk- talking to him online. Excited to Have meet you him. been talking to him? Yeah. 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 Hey, here. Earl. I told him I'd give him a shout out, too. So. Yeah, right. Earl. But shout out Earl to Strickland. all the people who are doing this incredible work. You know, mm-hmm. Ramal, Katie Plohockey, Anita Mills, James, Chris Walker, mm-hmm. Food on the Move. Um, anyone else we want to I mean, mention? Give a shout out to Demelda Newsom. You know, she was one of the. The, the pioneers with the local food movement in North Tulsa, um, her and her husband, Rufus. Um, and then Terry over at Virgin Street Community Garden. She does a little thing just a few blocks from here. Okay. Know. You know, Terry? I don't know. I don't know. Okay. My- She's doing some good work, just working mm-hmm. with neighborhood kids, mm-hmm. you know, so. Yeah, mm-hmm. a really amazing people. Just get connected with them and, and really infuse and connect what we already have and get behind those people and get involved and find out how you can – participate there's all different ways to participate you right, don't have on, to be yeah. a farmer yeah you can share the message online um you can really really support the people doing this great work and it's a lot of people doing great work really is you know they just <clears throat> people just need to know about them yeah That's we need it. to talk about it more and talk yeah. about it and they need to see it and mm-hmm. become visual yep you know yeah. so they can say oh why are they doing this over here i didn't know that was over there right Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Getting that information out there. Okay. Been good. Thank you, Bobby. All right. All right. Want to let you guys know we are taking donations here at Eaton Media Studios. We got a donation bucket in the studio for the Juice Radio Show. Uh, You can come by 1533 North Norfolk, or you can cash app us at Eaton Media Services. Hey, man, this has been a great show of great information. And continue to listen to us, The Bobby Eaton Show, every Monday, Wednesday, 6 p.m., 12 to 2 p.m. normally, uh, you know, 1.45 or whatever it may be, uh, on Saturdays. And we want you got ideas, eatonmusic2 at gmail.com. Again, E-A-T-O-N-M-U-S-I-C, the number two, just, you know, just do that for us. That's what we're going to do. 
All right, till the next time, have a good one.
Hey, this is Ralph Johnson of Earth, Wind, and Fire, and whenever I'm in Tulsa, I'm tuned in to KPOB 89.9 on the FM. Yeah. 